Howdy, fans! You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. You know, there aren't many occasions where a win by the Tampa Bay Lightning is overshadowed because of an injury. Injuries are part of the game. I think the Lightning understand that. If they didn't, they do now over the last couple of weeks. And it is part of the game. But the Lightning snapping a four-game losing streak to Calgary on Saturday, 4-3, was a big deal. The Lightning didn't want to have that losing streak run into this week with Boston and Montreal coming up on the schedule. And I think, in general, they wanted to get back to feeling better about their game. But make no mistake, the news we got right before we sent it to Dave and Kaylee for uh, the first period call was uh, a downer. There's no doubt about it. Steven Stamkos is out six to eight weeks uh, after having uh, surgery today um, to repair a core muscle. It is something that had been bothering him. Uh, We saw him miss a couple of games here and there. Uh, Steven Stamkos was having a phenomenal season. And not because it was the most recent year and it's fresh in our minds, but I'd venture to say this was probably his most complete season as a hockey player. Maybe he would disagree, and that's fine, but when you watch uh, the way he played this year, winning face-offs, killing penalties, I think taking the body is really what stood out. Really being a leader, because let's face it, In order for Tampa Bay to change the way they had to play, not only is the coaching staff going to implement some of those changes in training camp, but there needs to be a buy-in from the star players. It's always been that way, and it'll continue to be that way moving forward. And Steven Stamkos led the charge. Steven Stamkos understood that last year was embarrassing for all involved and that it needed to change. And because of his leadership, he allowed this Tampa Bay Lightning team to be a bit better defensively in that element of what they were trying to accomplish. So I think when you take a look at at where Tampa Bay is moving forward with Stamkos being out six to eight weeks, the question becomes, I think there it's twofold, really. And it's a question we have on our show Twitter page, at Bolts Radio. Which player do you think needs to step up a bit more now that Stamkos is out? We've got a few options for you. Stamkos, Palat, Kucherov, or somebody else. Right now, Tyler Johnson leading the way. We can get into those results if you want to. But I also think for me, too, one of the questions I want to ask you today, does Stamkos' injury change how you view this Lightning team heading into the playoffs? And I think in a lot of ways, obviously, we will not know um, how that's going to play out. We don't know if he'll be back for the playoffs. You know, athletes sometimes come back um, ahead of schedule. Certainly, Steven Stamkos is going to do everything he can to get back sooner rather than later. But I think a lot of people looked at this and said, you know what, there's a really good chance that he's going to miss the first round of the playoffs. And as we know in today's game, there is a ton of parity. And the Lightning, I mean, at the very least, what, will be a, a number two seed. I don't think a team like Toronto catches them. But as we sit right now, Tampa Bay would be taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round of the playoffs. And I guess it's fun to debate it. Again, we still have a few more weeks before the regular season ends. 
Even with Steven Stamkos out, do you feel like Tampa Bay can beat Toronto in a seven-game series? I think they can, and I think they have enough firepower to do that. I think their goaltending is better. I think even without Steven Stamkos, Tampa Bay has enough offense to win a round for sure. And it's not to discredit anything Stamkos brings to the table. I don't know if they can go four rounds and win a Stanley Cup without him in the lineup. Uh, maybe they can. I don't know. You know, A couple years ago, we saw Chris Letang miss all the playoffs for Pittsburgh as they tried to win back-to-back cups, and they did exactly that. And a lot of people felt like he was the one guy they couldn't afford to lose. So I think it's, it's something that can be done. But clearly, when you take out a 35-40 to 40 goal score and your team captain, I think chances of people picking you to win the cup start to decrease considerably. So I think it's a two-part question for me. Uh, who do you think needs to step up their game the most with Stamkos being out? And with his injury, does it change the way you view this team heading into the playoffs and even into the playoffs? As I said before, as we know from last year, that first round is not a gimme. I also know this team, I think, is uh, better to deal with some adversity than they were last year. You know, it's interesting. The last three to four months, and you can make a case, I think this whole season has been about dealing with adversity. Dealing with adversity from the standpoint all season long, they've had to answer the question, what was it like to lose to Columbus in the first round last year? That's adversity because you're dealing with that every single day from out-of-town media. Then you factor in the schedule that certainly played a part in some of their up-and-down play. That's dealing with adversity. And now this team is starting to really deal with the injury bug. You know, for the first few months of the year, That really wasn't the case. You can make the argument it allowed Tampa Bay to get this nice cushion uh, to get into the playoffs. But right now, certainly, it is coming back in full force. And I don't think this is going to prevent them from playing well heading into the playoffs. They may have to change the way they go about their business a little bit more offensively. Is this something that John Cooper looks at and says, you know what, we may go more 11-7? and I doubt that, but that's always on the table because that allows you maybe to play your best forwards a bit more. I don't know. I think we're going to find out. And I'm not sure John Cooper knows. And this coaching staff, when you take a look at, at what the Lightning are going to be about and, and what they may do adjustment-wise uh, with Stammer being out of the, uh, the lineup. I voted Tyler Johnson for obvious reasons when we talk about the player that has more to give than what they're giving with Stamkos being out. Johnson's a guy that, you know, you've got to think his ice time and his play is going to be elevated because of the minutes out there for him to grab. It was good to see him get a goal against the Calgary Flames. He's a guy that could hit 20 goals again this year. I think that would be a big deal for him considering the slow start he's had. I think he's also a guy, when you take a look at some of the options I give you, you're going to expect Kucherov to elevate his game. I think that's kind of a given. If he doesn't, I think you'll be a bit disappointed. Andre Pilat for sure is a guy that I think you could see fill the net a bit more, but I don't know if he has the upside offensively that a guy like Tyler Johnson has. And I think Johnson's going to be important for this team because when you take a look at the strength down the middle, I think he's a guy that can fill that role. And if he's playing with other skilled players, I always feel like he's dangerous, uh, especially in space. He's got speed, he's got quickness, and he's got a really good shot. And I think he's just waiting for that opportunity to gain some confidence, and run with an opportunity. 
You know, you don't necessarily say that with a guy who's been in the league as long as he has, but confidence is a big deal. And for Tyler Johnson, even though it came at the expense of Steven Stamkos, maybe this is an opportunity for him to get his game going heading into the playoffs. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with me, you certainly can. It was a really good win by the Lightning over the weekend against the Calgary Flames. Calgary is a good team. When you take a look at their lineup, they've got a lot of weapons offensively, and that game was very chippy. But it was a game where I thought everybody, particularly the new guys, contributed in a big way. Uh, Goodrow was great on the PK. Coleman gets an assist on the Kalorn goal. And as I said to Brian Engblom after the game, this is going to be a situation where those guys, uh, it's going to take them some time to feel comfortable playing on this team because all of them have had to move. All of them have life-changing experiences going on in the background that can cause a little uneasiness once you're trying to break into a new team and a new system. But the more games they play, the more practices they get, they'll feel a bit better every single day. And the hope is, again, come playoff time, that they're going to feel really good about where they are. But I thought it was a good team win. Calgary's one of those teams, you forget they had, what, the second most points last year in all the NHL, and they flamed out, no pun intended, in the first round as well. And for a team like Calgary, a lot of people feel like this may be the last go-around for that certain core group of players before they blow it up. And I think it does, at least for me, I'm not sure for you, reminds us that nothing is forever, and especially when you take a look at the Lightning core group of players, that they've got a certain amount of years before Julian Breeze was really going to have to start tinkering the the roster, and you feel like that's going to come as soon as this offseason. So that's why you want to see Tampa Bay take full advantage of everybody right now on this team, the production they're providing, and the contracts that they are on, because as we know, it doesn't last forever. But the Lightning certainly a big blow with Stammer being out. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say everything's going to be smooth from here on out. I do think there are guys who can give a bit more. I certainly gave you more of the offensive-minded players on that poll question. But if you want to look at the back end, you certainly can. Obviously, you're going to look to guys like Victor Hemmen to play a bigger role. Maybe Mikhail Sergachev is somebody that takes on bigger responsibility there, particularly on the power play. I actually think with Stamkos being out, the power play has a chance to at least be pretty productive because I think Sergachev can be elite from the point, just like I think Stamkos is elite from the circle. And I wonder how you feel about that situation. We'll talk to Patrick Williams from NHL.com and Elite Prospects. A lot to get to with Patrick regarding uh, the minor leagues. Syracuse starting to play better. Are they going to get into the playoffs? They're hanging on to that last playoff spot. Why hasn't Barry Boulay been called up? And would he be considered the better prospect at this point than Alex Volkov? We'll talk to Patrick about that. Also, the scary fight that happened about 10 days ago down in the AHL. And I want to get his thoughts on David Ayers, the emergency goaltender. It's all coming up next on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Get a coup drop left circle, cross ice Johnson, right circle. Shoot, score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live continues on a Monday. Greg Linelli with you. Of course, the big topic of the day uh, tonight on the show has been Steven Stamkos out six to eight weeks. And we've got a poll question over on Bolts Radio on their Twitter page. 
pertaining to which player do you think needs to step up the most to overcome the loss of Steven Stamkos and what he brings to the team? Um, it's interesting because I think when you take a look at the Lightning right now, there are a few guys that can you know, have an impact that maybe are struggling a bit. It's not a surprise right now that Tyler Johnson is leading that poll question. As I look now, 57% of you have said Tyler Johnson's the one that needs to pick it up a bit with Stamkos being out. I also put Kucherov in that poll question because I feel like when you talk about elite players, sometimes the elite players have to pick things up even more. And I don't think it's unfair to sit there and say that Kuch, for as good as he's been points-wise, probably needs to pick it up even a bit more with Stamkos being out. But we can get into that as well. And we're going to break it all down with our good friend Patrick Williams from NHL.com and Elite Prospects. Of course, he covers the minors and the NHL very well. That's why we have him on once a week, and uh, he joins us via the phone line. And, you know, Patrick, before we get into Syracuse and some other things that happened down in the AHL, really scary fights, um, what, a couple of days ago with Kale Kessie. I want to get into that just a bit. But uh, And actually, too, don't, don't uh, let me forget, I want to get into the the emergency goaltender situation that we saw uh, a few days back. But the Lightning, obviously, a big blow. I'm not sure you can ever make up for the loss of a star player like Stamkos, but if there's a team that maybe can, it is Tampa Bay. It's a big blow, but you know the Lightning feel like they have a few guys here, Patrick, that can maybe overcome his loss, at least in the short term. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, I saw that poll question, and I, my answer would sort of be all of the above. Um, everybody needs to uh, maybe contribute 5 10% more if you want to quantify it that way and try to pick up the slack that way. I mean, you're not, like you said, you're not replacing Steven Stamkos, uh, uh, what he brings. But uh, if everybody can just add a, a little bit more, I think, uh, you know, that's what the Lightning need. And, you know, it's a big week here coming up. you got – Boston Bruins coming to town. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, an excellent test. Really see where things stand here. And um, I think uh, it's an interesting week, I think, because then you kind of get a team like Montreal coming in, uh, a team uh, more or less playing off the string. So um, it's a perfect opportunity for a letdown game after a big game like uh, Boston. And I think that's where you want to see how the Lightning respond to that, come in there and take care of business and then go up to Boston. So uh, it's an interesting week in terms of the schedule, I think, uh, right? And then you end up, you know, with Detroit. So a team that's obviously at the bottom. So you kind of get a a taste of the best uh, and then a taste of, you know, some real, you know, struggling teams. So uh, you can get get a good sense of the Lightning, how they match up against uh, two different types of situations. Uh, so I'm really kind of intrigued to see how they uh, how they manage this week, especially coming off the Stamkos news. Um, the potential for a letdown is uh, is there, and uh, I think if they can get through this week, navigate this week, uh, you know, uh, I think we'll learn a lot. Uh, you know, as we really start now to hit into the playoff uh, stretch, uh, we're a little bit more than a month away, and uh, you know, this is a time now we've talked about this in the past where. It's time to start fine-tuning some things, tweak a few things here and there, and uh, get yourself ready for what you hope will be a a two-month run. You know, and I'm putting you on the spot a bit, but I think this is a fun question. I might throw this out there to my audience, not not only tonight, but later in the week. You know, when you look at Steven Stamkos, Patrick, the one thing I think that comes to mind, first and foremost, would be goal scoring. Uh I think the second thing that comes to mind, at least for me, having been down here now a few years, uh, have been the injuries. And I I think when you take a look at his career, what's interesting 
is that the numbers he's putting up, he's basically a point-per-game guy. I mean, 803 games played, 832 points. But I think it would be a fun question to debate. Where does Stamkos rank in terms of players who were really good, maybe even great, but were robbed because of some injuries throughout their careers? And I can think of a couple that come to mind. I'm, I'm curious what you take from this. For me, first and foremost, and I have the privilege, and I, I do call it a privilege of watching him play for the majority of his career, and that was Mario Lemieux. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you take a look at the numbers he put up, I believe out of everybody in the top 10 in scoring, he's the only one who didn't play 1,000 games. That's seven, over yeah. 1,700 points in 915 games. <sighs> to me, that, that makes the case. You can, you can argue that he may be the greatest player of all time. But I think he was robbed considerably because of injuries. Um, I think Lindros is probably another guy you probably can put in yeah. there. And probably Bobby Orr as well. You know, obviously we didn't have yep. a chance to see him play. But I mean, can you can you kind of put Stamkos in uh, in terms of guys who really were great, but r- were also robbed because of injuries throughout their careers? Yeah, I think you can. I think uh, those are three great picks. Uh, I was going to say I was, before you mentioned that I was going to suggest Lindros himself because uh, that was a guy who. Um, you look at the games he missed and not just the, in terms of the number of games missed, but uh, what those injuries did to him and how they you know, did take away some of his uh, uh, what he had, uh, especially in the prime of his career, uh, the way it happened. I mean, he was in his late 20s when you know, all the concussions really started to hit. And uh, yes, I think Stamkos is the same way. You start start prorating some of those numbers out and uh, where he would be if you know, he was playing more of a full uh, a component of games uh, over the years and uh, starts to be uh, um, pretty pretty striking. You know, you look back at 2016-17, uh, it was an abbreviated season for him. Uh, uh, the lockout, uh, you know, when was that? Back in 2013, uh, obviously that was everybody uh, um, got uh, deprived of those games. And uh, yeah, so, you know, that's really when you think about it, was what a season and a half of worth of games that's what 120 something games so uh start prorating that out um and uh you know he's well over a thousand games or a thousand points i should say so um yeah it's uh it is uh it is striking when you think about it uh, you know just how you know a season or two worth of injuries and to say nothing of the fact that um, now, in his case, he's been able to come back and maintain uh, that level of production. Uh, but uh, it makes you think, you know, could he be even more than what he is uh, were it not for injuries? So uh, I think Bobby Orr is another excellent example. Uh, you know, you look at uh, what he could have been. And uh, you know, even with what he, all those injuries that he did have, he was still remarkable and one of the greatest players of all time. But, uh, you know, I don't think we ever got to see him at his full uh, capability. And Lemieux obviously another example. So, uh, yeah, there's really – it's a little striking when you uh, look back at some of those top, top players in NHL history uh, and uh, you think about uh, what they've lost just in terms of their uh, games and then uh, the depletion caused by some of those injuries. So, um what would have Bobby Orr been had he not had those knee injuries, uh, not simply in terms of having to miss games and eventually retire, but uh, just trying to play when he was, you know, in the lineup, uh, you know, not at 100%. So, 
Uh, it's a really interesting question, and uh, yeah, I think Stamkos definitely fits in that group. Do you think staying healthy is there? Is that a skill, so to speak, or is that luck? Because you know we know how these guys are. At least today, they're they're highly yeah. conditioned athletes. But I'm wondering, do some guys, for the lack of a better term, break more than others? Uh, do you feel like guys, when you take a look at somebody's career, longevity should be something that's high up there? Or, or do you feel like, no, that's kind of a crapshoot, and if you stay healthy, a lot of luck is involved in that? Yeah, I think it's mostly luck. I mean, obviously a guy like Stamkos is in, in shape, and, uh, you know, I mean let's take out the injuries that, you know, really are just floofs, like, you know, broken bone, you know, hit by a shot or something. Uh, I think just, you know, I'm not a physician obviously, but you know, some guys are just, uh, you know, they're, they're just a little bit more prone uh, for one reason or another. Uh, um, you know, their muscles pull more often or tear more often or, or, or ligaments or, you know, so it's it, one of those things it's hard to, uh, hard to really put a finger on. And, you know, I think some of it is just, uh, bad luck, wrong place at the wrong time, and then other cases, I think it is more just of a uh, individual specific uh, situation where just uh, you know, you know, some of these guys maybe, in some ways maybe they're so in shape and they're so uh, muscular that uh, you know they are more prone to that. So uh, maybe you know if they were a little bit less in shape, maybe they wouldn't uh, be quite as likely to tear something. So it's hard to say, but uh, yeah, I think in the most for the most part, it's just. Uh, being unfortunate and, and just having a run of bad luck. Patrick Williams joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live. All right, I want to get to Syracuse in just a bit here, but there were a couple of things that stood out for me that are related to the AHL and the minors. And the first one was the scary fight that took place where Kale Kessie uh, was basically KO'd a few days yeah. ago and was in stable condition. I mean, it was scary. All anybody has to do is really YouTube it. Um, goes down, not completely out. Now, Patrick, we know fighting is still part of the game, both at the AHL level and the NHL level. They are trying to make uh, the right measurements to get it out of the game, but it's not. And I'm wondering, if you have more instances like this with Kessie, um, is it going to force the league's hand to just abolish fighting? And I, I guess the question becomes... Why hasn't it? Because I don't believe that having a guy who can fight deters others from doing things on the ice. I think if you actually hit them in the pocketbooks and suspend them, whoever the, the violator is might do just as good as you know somebody looking for a, a beatdown to get revenge after a, a player maybe was hit, unfortunately, in a game. But is it going to take a guy, really, you hate to say it, being critically injured or even dying before they start switching this rule out? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I used to really be in the mindset that uh, it was a deterrent uh, for uh, players uh, going out there and, you know, playing dirty and, and carelessly and, and things like that. I mean, I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. I mean, I think the player mentality has changed a lot as well. Um, a lot of these players, um, obviously we're not brought up, uh, you know, kind of the old school way of, you know, fighting out on the, on the frozen pond somewhere. I mean, there, um, a lot more players coming to the college route, And I mean, even junior now, junior used to be a place where you'd put up two, 300 penalty minutes a year, uh, without blinking an eye. And, um, you know, they've gotten, uh, really, uh, kind of heavy, uh, 
penalties in terms of that uh, for players that fight, uh, I guess you called it excessively. So, um, yeah, I think, I think uh, it's phasing itself out uh, on its own, uh, whether or not it needs a, a, a little bit of a push or a nudge uh, to completely um, eliminate it. Uh, I think, uh, I think you probably could make an argument for that. I think, um, I mean, you're never going to stop fighting 100%, uh, you know, just like you look at baseball, right? You know, I mean, there's brawls there. But, uh, yeah, I think if you uh, if you really think about it, uh, I think the biggest factor now is these guys are just so in shape. I mean, um, you know, like Kale Cassie is built. I mean, and uh, he's a very capable fighter. He's a, He knows what he's doing out there, but it only takes getting um, off balance uh, for a second uh, and taking a shot the wrong way and, uh, you know, you're out, uh, cold before you hit the ice. And then the other thing is these guys taking the helmets off. I do think that's something we'll see a change in the American hockey league, maybe even as soon as next season where, um, you know, the, you know, taking your helmets off. I mean, I think partially it is about, uh, you know, uh, your opponent not cutting his hand on your helmet, but I think part of it is also for show in some cases, um, but I mean, Kale Kessie's an honest, uh, fighter and, uh, if it can happen to him, I would say really can happen to anybody. Uh, he's one of the top, uh, top, uh, players in the American hockey league at what he does. And, uh, even with that, uh, you know, it only takes, uh, just a moment and, uh, you know, really when that happens, it's dumb luck, uh, whether or not a player, uh, emerges, uh, relatively unscathed, I guess you'd call it. Uh, and is able to go home the next day. But uh, even in those cases, uh, you don't know what the long-term uh, ramifications are. He's out of the lineup for, uh, for the moment. Uh, and it's just, uh, it comes down to blind luck. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, there's enough ways uh, to get injured uh, on the ice. You know, just uh, flute things, pucks, uh, you know, off being off balance, falling to the board, things like that without, uh, you know, adding that. Uh, so that element of uh, fighting. So, uh I think at you know some point not too far off, it's more or less just going to be gone on its own. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see, especially at the American Hockey League level, uh, which tends to be uh, the experimental lab uh, f- for the NHL uh, for different rules if they uh, don't uh, uh, put it out of the uh, game altogether within the next few years. Just, uh, you know, there's the potential at this point is uh, – you know, just so high. And, uh, you know, I think even if you're an old school fan, I mean, you, you can't help, but, uh, uh, be taken aback by uh, what you see there. I mean, that was a scary situation. I think even for sort of the most ardent supporter of fighting, uh, to see that. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it won't be too long. I would say window of five years, maybe less than that, uh, that you'll see, um, uh, a uh, real change. I mean, even then you'll still see the odd fight here and there simply because it's a collision sport and guys, uh, lose their uh, temper for a moment, but, uh, it won't be certainly, uh, a part of the game now in the sa- same way it is. So yeah, it's scary. You know, you see that kind of situation like that really, like I said, blind luck, whether or not a player, uh, really, uh, is able to come away from that, uh, you know, or whether something uh, much more serious does happen. I want to ask you one more question pertaining to that incident when we return. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. We're going to have Patrick Williams hang on for one more segment. Hope you're enjoying the content today right here on Lightning Power Play. 
You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live rolls along. Greg Lanelli with you. Patrick Williams has been gracious enough to hang on for one more segment on the show. Don't forget, go to our show Twitter page, at Bolts Radio, weighing on the poll question, which player needs to give a bit more with Steven Stamkos being out six to eight weeks. Tyler Johnson so far leading the way. Did I read right, too, that the official on the ice that night helped in, in really not making it as disastrous as yeah. it was. Did I read that right? He was a doctor. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, in American Hockey League, for the most part, uh, linesman, it's a, a little bit of a part-time job. Uh, you know, it's a week, weekend league primarily. So uh, he's actually uh, the linesman. Bob Goodman is uh, uh, an anesthesiologist uh, in the Hershey area. So uh, he was right on the right, uh, right on top of things. Uh, you know, at the moment, and uh, I mean, yeah, you know, that, that's another factor. I mean, how. How often are you going to get a situation where you have a linesman that's also a doctor and, you know, can think quickly on his uh, feet like that and Incredible. Uh, bring the situation under control? But, uh, um, yeah, it was scary. I mean, you, you know, you, you don't know what's uh, quite happening there. And, uh, you know, you, the look on the, the other players faced, uh, Derek Shepard of Charlotte, uh, you know, kind of, you know, I think that will haunt a lot of people. I mean, he just had like this look of, you know, pure terror in his eyes that uh, like oh my gosh what did just happened here and you know he's right there and you know it's kind of striking these two guys are you know uh you know fighting each other and then a second later you know he's waving help over like uh what just happened so um yeah it's a very fortunate thing to have you know have the, the way it worked out and, and uh, obviously the arena crew in terms of the uh the paramedics and the team doctors and everything like that were uh, right on the scene as well. But, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, you know, like I said, there's, there's enough ways to get injured in hockey uh, when you're not doing this uh, without adding this to the, to the mix as well. So uh, yeah, really scary stuff. And uh, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I think it's the kind of thing, anybody that uh, saw that game either in person or on television or what have you, uh, won't forget it anytime soon. No, it's scary, and it just again it makes you wonder. To your point, I think it's a sound one. It's such a physical game. Why do you need to have something that, in a lot of ways, feels forced and is staged? But you know, maybe that's for for guys with bigger paychecks, Patrick, to <laughs> uh, figure out than us here as we we talk about what's going on. So I, I think I want to move to Syracuse, and I'm wondering for you. Are they turning the corner? I feel like this past weekend was a pretty good one when they went 2-0. and Scott Wedgwood maybe finding his game a bit. Uh, Syracuse uh, getting a win 4-2 to over Rochester. They're hanging on to that last wild card in their division. But I'm wondering, um, with points in 11 of their last 12 games and with 17 games left, is it going to be enough for them to hang on? You know, I, I would say if they're turning around, it's like turning a ship around. Uh, it's been very slow. Um, it's not been a very uh, um, graceful uh, turnaround. Um, they are starting to figure some things out. Uh, like you said, uh, 
Uh, big weekend. Uh, they beat uh, two pretty solid teams, especially Rochester, a team that's second place in their division. And um, over the years has given them uh, trouble at times. So, um, you know, the, I think maybe what has helped Syracuse most of all is just having some of these other teams stay on their heels. Uh, they haven't had a chance to really uh, have a letdown, you know, and so like a roundabout way, um, you know, other teams being better is forced them to pick up their game uh, if they're to stay in the race. So, uh, but they're, they're still in a very precarious position, uh, one point above the playoff line, uh, two teams, uh, you know, right within three points of them. And then, then the Toronto Marlies, who you have to think at some point will get their act together, are six back, but with three games to play. So, um, Syracuse really doesn't have uh, much breathing room, if at all, and um, they have a, a another difficult week coming up here. I mean, that's the thing. Like this, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, the American Hockey League loves to just um, put the uh, the uh, schedule um, heavy on the back end of things, and uh, for Syracuse, um, that's going to be the case again. Uh, this month, uh, they have a, a two-game weekend uh, coming up in Toronto, so that could be a, a major swing there. They could put Toronto out of uh, uh, kind of behind them uh, once and for all with uh, back-to-back wins. But uh, you know, then they have a pair of uh, uh, they have a three-game week and then a four-game week coming up. So uh, um, yeah, this is just uh, your typical American Hockey League. Uh, back end the schedule um and uh you know if you're not at your best uh it can get away from you really quick uh uh it's not like the the first half in the american league where you know you're much lighter schedule they're trying to uh save some of those games for the second half to get better attendance uh if you're not on top of things now in march uh it's going to be a difficult road and i mean i think that plays right into the playoffs uh first round's best of five so uh you can get in trouble really quickly in the uh, in the American Hockey League uh, postseason. There, uh, you, you know, you start at home and you drop it even one game, and uh, you now have to uh, go on the road and potentially uh, face elimination uh, by, let's say, game th- uh, four. So, it's a uh, it's a tough uh, it's a tough setup, no question about it. I do think the Crunch are starting to get themselves a little bit together. Ross Colton's been. Uh, been really hot lately uh so that's been good uh barry belay had a hat trick the other night uh you know just some guys like volkoff uh, we've talked about him uh, fairly extensively um he's starting to find his game a little bit so um they need those guys those guys are the ones that they count on uh to uh, uh really kind of pull you know pull the train along and and keep things going uh scott wedgwood's been better like you said uh so there there's uh there's signs of of growth there and signs that they're moving forward, but uh, they really, uh, their first half uh, has left them uh, really no margin for error. Even a bad weekend or two uh, could be enough to uh, kind of uh, doom them. So uh, they have to keep going um, and they uh, won't get a break here now uh, against the Toronto team uh, that's, uh, you know, is fighting for its own playoff self or our life. So, um, you know, this is a, the huge, massive uh, kind of uh, weekend, I think, that we'll know a lot more uh, within the week, uh, you know, where exactly this Syracuse team does stand in terms of their playoff hopes. You know, I get this question a lot, and I'm wondering if you do too, and that is, what does Barry Boulay have to do to get a call-up to the Tampa Bay Lightning? Now, first and foremost, I think there needs to be a spot for him, but we've seen some call-ups recently, whether it's been Volkoff or, or somebody else, come up and um, play for a few games, then be sent back down. 
What do you make of Baraboule continuing to stay in the minors? Is it a situation where maybe his game isn't ready for the NHL? Is it because of his size? We keep hearing how the NHL, it's good for everybody. Uh, equal opportunity for all sides now because of the rule change. And he's going to be a guy, it appears, that hits 30 goals again, which would be back-to-back 30-goal years for a guy who's just uh, in his second year playing at the American Hockey League level, Patrick. And I know you've said it's probably the second-best league um, out there. What do you make of the fact that he hasn't had that cup of coffee yet? Is it just a product of Tampa Bay being really good and there's not a fit for him? Or are there still holes in his game from people you talk to and from watching him yourself that maybe is keeping him uh, from playing in the National Hockey League, at least right now? I'd say both. Uh, Both things are uh, major issues just in the sense of if if you're the Lightning, you're bringing him up. He needs to be in at the very least, a top nine role, I think, you know, given what his game is. And, you know, that's just, uh, it's a tough lineup to crack. Uh, you're trying to break into one of the best lineups in the entire league, uh, maybe the best lineup. And, uh, you know, a guy like Barry Belay, I mean, sometimes it benefits players in the American League who are more of your typical fourth line uh, grinder types that can come in there and uh, basically just come in there don't mess up. Uh, that's not his game. Uh, you know, in order for him to really be doing what he uh, does best, he needs to be uh, pushing the offense and, and, and generating play. And um, he's not there yet. I don't think his two-way game is uh, sufficient enough uh, for the American or for the National Hockey League. Uh, it's not necessarily sufficient enough for the American Hockey League. Uh, and uh, you know, certainly we know he can put the puck in the net, and, and that's believe me, that's that's excellent. And uh, you know, it's very encouraging if you if you're the Lightning, but uh, now it's a matter of rounding out the game, and uh, you know that that's the case for a lot of players in this league. Uh, uh, you know, if you look at the if you if you follow the notion that uh, hockey is a five tool sport, and uh, you know pretty much everybody in the NHL has those five tools, there's a lot of guys in the American League who are at maybe four four point five. Uh, so uh, they're close, but they're not there yet. And that last step is is a big one, and. Uh, you really can't have any holes in your game uh, in any major way if you're going to not just reach the NHL but stay there, especially for a team like the Lightning that has Stanley Cup uh, aspirations. And, uh, you know, if all goes well for them, we'll be uh, playing uh, well into the spring, into June. So um, uh, I think the, the the situation there becomes, well, do we want him sitting there in Tampa in another lineup maybe or playing eight, ten minutes a game, or do we want here? down there in the American Hockey League, uh, not only scoring, but also learning that two-way game, playing 20-plus minutes a night. And uh, I think um, the the best course of action is to keep him in Syracuse, um, uh, learn that game, and not try to uh, learn the game on the fly in the NHL, uh, especially, you know, know, in the type of hockey that the Lightning hope to be playing uh, later this spring. So um, I think uh, for Barry Belay, this is a chance – pull this team into the playoffs. Uh, uh, if, if you can do that, uh, that will be a, a huge mark for him. And, uh, you know, and, and get into the postseason and see what happens from there. I think in a lot of ways, Syracuse is very similar to Tampa. A major disappointment last season in, in terms of the postseason. Uh, they went out in the second round uh, very quietly. And, uh, you know, uh, nobody was happy about it. Ben Grew was not happy about it. The, uh, the Obviously, the Lightning – uh, we're not happy. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of players, including Barry Belay, who have something to prove here uh, going into the uh, postseason if they can get there and then actually doing something once they, they 
they do get there. So uh, for him, I think uh, this is the best place to be. And, uh, you know, round out your game and then uh, take a shot at things next season. A guy like him will certainly have a good opportunity. The Lightning have shown that they're willing to give uh, younger players a, a chance uh, to show what they have and to break into the lineup. Uh, but uh, you have to be able to uh, fill the exact role that the Lightning need. Uh, there's not many job openings there. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, competition uh, for, for that spot. So, uh, you know, he's one of uh, a number of players out there uh, who still has a lot to prove. And, uh, you know, we'll see what he can do next fall. But uh, for right now, uh, this is, uh, I think, where he does need to be. Volkov has played roughly 60 more AHL games than Barry Boulay, and obviously he's got a cup of coffee at the NHL level. Some would say Volkov, maybe he's got more upside and is more of a pro prospect because maybe his size and maybe he looks the part of an yeah. NHL player. But so far, since he's been up there, it's kind of been more missing than hitting with his play. Who's the better prospect, in your opinion, at this point between those two? I'd, I'd go Barry Boulay. I mean, I know people will look at it as 5'9", 170 or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I completely agree when you say look the part. Uh, you know, that that that's no small factor uh, for a lot of players and for a lot of teams. Uh, but uh, I just like I like where Barry Boulay has trended. I mean, here's an undrafted guy. Um, nothing was given to him. Uh, he had to scratch his claws way into the – and just to get into the American League – uh, was a big jump for him, uh, and he's done everything you could ask him to do. He's been uh, dominant uh, in a lot of ways at the AHL level. Uh, Volkov is, you know, it's been like a lot of players. Uh, comes in a lot of potential, a lot of promise, but uh, I haven't seen him take that big step forward this year that you know you would expect a guy in his third year in this league to. That's when uh, you really should start to dominate. He should be. You know, he had back-to-back 20-plus goals. You'd like to see him now uh, if he was playing uh, over the course of a full season, uh, pushing for 30 goals, and uh, he's not there. And, uh, you know, especially in a a good farm system, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, other players that uh, have shown that they uh, have a lot to offer as well. So, uh, you know, I need to see Volkov a lot, do a lot more. Um, I haven't, you know, he's been better lately, but uh, that first half I thought was extremely disappointing and, uh you know, I'm just, uh, you know, for me, the jury is still out on him, uh, 22 years old. But, uh, you know, it, you get old fast in the, in the American League. You know, you look at Josh Hosei, just uh, loaned out by the New York Islanders uh, last week uh, to San Antonio. He was a first rounder, in, uh, you know, a couple years back. He's 24 years old now. All of a sudden, uh, you're not so much in the prospect stage now. You're more into that that no man's land, uh, 24, 25, where uh, – is this guy a legit prospect or not? I mean, uh, so uh, the, the tie can turn very quickly uh, for players. You go from maybe being 21, 22, and just, you know, you blinked and actually, you know, you're in that, uh, in that uh, gray zone. Uh, and before you know it, uh, some guys, as we've talked about in the past, uh, you know, before they know it, they're, they're 26, 27, and they're like, what happens? Uh, you know, my NHL uh, – uh, trajectory looked great and a couple years ago, but uh, you hit that plateau and uh, it goes off track really quickly. So uh, I think Vol- Volkov here uh, is in a really uh, critical uh, stage in his career. He needs to have a good finish down in Syracuse this season. Uh, really, br- really start to show what he can do. Uh, we know he can do it. He's he's done it before, but uh, you you know 
this is a very much of what have you done lately type of business um, that includes the American Hockey League. And uh, if you're not uh, if you're not uh, sustaining and, and and growing, then you're you're falling back behind your your peers. And uh, you know, so Volkov, uh, you know, great so far in in terms of what he's done lately. But uh, you know, he has six weeks now to go in the regular season. He needs to uh, really put the uh, the pedal down and uh, have a great finish, and then uh, a lot like Barry Boulay, pull this team to the playoffs, and then um, set himself up for a good run. Uh, you know, players that uh, tend to get out of the American Hockey League are, are the ones that uh, really do something in the, in the postseason, and uh, that's the opportunity uh, for Volkov, Barry Boulay, or anyone else in that Syracuse roster. And lastly, we're here with Patrick Williams from NHL.com and Elite Prospects. You were captivated. Uh, as well as everybody else who follows the National Hockey League about 10 days ago when <clears throat> emergency goalie David Ayers came in and uh, played for Carolina because the first two goaltenders were injured, and he goes against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and actually wins. He wins a game, and because of that, the NHL, I think, is going to look closely at changing that rule when it comes to emergency goaltenders. Patrick, what did you make of David Ayers uh, getting the opportunity at 42 to go in? I think it's a really good, cool story. I think the NHL avoided disaster with it. And uh, what do you think needs to be done to make sure something like that doesn't happen? And have you seen anything like that at the AHL level? Um, no, nothing at the AHL level. I mean, they have a similar setup where it's uh, kind of the local – you know, the local guy who played a little bit, uh, fairly high level, uh, kind of hangs around as the, uh, the, the uh, emergency goalie. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was an awesome story. I mean, if, you know, what has really, in a lot of ways, been the most dominant theme uh, in the NHL and in hockey in general um, for maybe the last 30 years since the Gretzky trade. And, and that's been breaking into the U S market, you know, into the Sun Belt, into places like Florida and Arizona. And, um, when you look at how far this story reached, I mean, my, uh, you know, uh, neighbor who I don't think watched a hockey game ever asked me about it. And I was like, you know, wow, this story is actually really, uh, uh, found some traction. I mean, uh, you know, I think anybody can sort of, even if you're not a hockey fan can, can grasp, uh, you know, how cool it was. And I mean, you know, it's a dream of anyone, I think, that ever played, uh, you know, so much as like, you know, outside, uh, you know, uh, as a kid, uh, you know, just one shift in the NHL, one game. Uh, here's a guy that uh, actually lived that dream, uh, just a regular, by all counts, just a regular guy, uh, you know, uh, nothing, uh, nothing too remarkable about him. So uh, I think it's a cool story. I mean, I, I understand what people are saying that, uh, you know, you could get into a situation where if he had come in and just not been able to be up to the job at all uh that you could have uh, really had a uh, kind of an awkward situation there and uh, i think there's something to be said uh, ray ferraro had an idea of uh kind of keeping a third guy almost like a bullpen catcher and i thought that was a uh, pretty interesting idea and um it'd be a good situation for you know your number one goalie uh he can uh take some time off in practice not see as many pucks especially in the second half of the year so i think there's something to be said for that uh you bring a guy on that maybe played a uh, high level university or high level some sort of junior um uh, that's just looking uh, to hang around and uh you know, uh, maybe you learn the other side of the game, the coaching side or the video side. So I think uh, I think that's an interesting idea. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think, 
you know, if, if you're you're interested in growing the game, I mean, um, it's hard to break through into the mainstream news cycle uh, any given day. And, and you know, you uh, you flipped on the television uh, last week, and this guy's everywhere, uh, even in places that uh, never discuss hockey. So. Uh, I think everybody needs to maybe take a breath here and, and it's not the end of the world. That's, uh, you know, something different happened and broke up sort of the, uh, the uh, everyday flow of things and, uh, you know, just go with it. I mean, you know, these are what made stories like this are what made sports cool. I mean, you know, we we all read the books when we were kids, like, you know, 10 wildest stories in, in sports or something. Right. So uh, this is one of them. And, uh, you know, you don't get as many of them nowadays since, you know, pro sports is such a big business. Uh, but uh, I think it's neat, and I think everyone should just go with it. Patrick Williams joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live. Patrick, great stuff. As always, bud, we appreciate the analysis and the expertise. And where can people read your work before we, we check out of here? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter, P. Williams NHL. Um, I'm there uh, pretty regularly. Uh, NHL.com, they're, uh, I'm their AHL guy. Uh, every Wednesday, have a column. And then uh, Elite Prospects, EP Rangeside, uh, every Friday, uh, round up the lead there as well. So, uh, you know, uh, se- second best league in the world for my money. I'm trying to give it the coverage it, uh, it deserves. And uh, uh, there's a lot of good stories down here. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's been such a huge factor, you know, in terms of the NHL in the last 10 years or so, you know, development taking such a huge role. So we're just trying to capture that and uh, really kind of bring those stories out to people. All right, buddy. We'll do it again next week. Excellent. Thank you. There he goes. Patrick Williams joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live. Make sure you check out his work. When we come back, we'll continue to review the results of the poll question, and then we'll get you set for Lightning and Bruins tomorrow night at Amelie Arena. Should be a good one right here on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Crosby, open in front, backhand shot. What a save. miraculous stop. The latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face. On Lightning Power Play. All right, thanks to Patrick Williams from NHL.com and Elite Prospects who joined us in that previous segment. You know, it was interesting when we were talking about Steven Stamkos and the question I threw at Patrick there. Is there another player in the history of the NHL who was, let's face it, Hall of Fame type of skill set? And I think Steven Stamkos is that for sure. That was robbed of more production because of injuries he had to endure throughout his career. In other words, where would Steven Stamkos rank in terms of players who were elite but really suffered production-wise when their career was over because of injuries? Now, I think for me, first and foremost, again, Mary Lemieux probably pops number one to that list. He's the only guy, I think, in that top ten and maybe really when you take a look at the top 30 or 40, who has played less than 1,000 games and had over 1,500 points. I mean, it really speaks to how dominant he was. I mean, this is a guy who won a scoring title coming back from cancer. He had various back injuries. There are stories out there that, that talk about Lemieux not being able to bend over and lace up his skates. He needed other guys to tie them for him and that, you know, Conditioning-wise, really uh, wasn't a guy who spent a ton of time in the gym. Uh, One, because he didn't like to, but two, uh, he really couldn't uh, until later in his career when I think he started to uh, 
take that a bit more seriously with Jay Caulfield as his personal trainer. But for me, Mary Lemieux certainly is number one on that list. You can make the argument that Bobby Orr could be number one as well, robbed of how many more years because of uh, bad knees. Eric Lindros, obviously with concussions, that was a big problem for him, still made the Hall of Fame. And again, a theme here, those three players all made the Hall of Fame, and deservingly so. And maybe in some ways that adds to their, I don't want to say their mystique as a player, but it, it adds a little bit more juice to what they accomplished when they were healthy. But I think you can make a strong argument that Steven Stamkos certainly has been deprived of uh, higher goal numbers had uh, he not been injured all those years we've seen throughout his career. I mean, you're dealing with a leg injury, you're dealing with blood clots, you're dealing with this core injury. And look, injuries are part of the game. And I'm not sure that it's more of a skill set to stay injury-free than it is just pure luck. I mean, some guys are more brittle than others. I, I would acknowledge that. That's just how we're born. Uh, There's certain guys who probably can take on a, a bigger punishment than others. But I do think some of it's just pure luck. You know, did anybody anticipate Steven Stamkos, you know, getting a blood clot a couple of years back? Did they anticipate him breaking his leg? Was that because he wasn't conditioned enough? No. Obviously, he's one of the, the most conditioned, the well-conditioned athletes out there. But I think Steven Stamkos is a guy, you know, instead of talking about, what, 400 goals, uh, right now, where he is in his career, you could be talking about for sure 500, maybe 550. And now we're you know starting to talk about him really being that second greatest goal scorer of this generation next to Alex Ovechkin. And I think you can make the argument he still is. I mean, he's basically averaging a goal every game, every other game in his career with 422 to his name playing in 803 career games. But I mean, the guy has missed a lot of games over the years. And I think when you take a look at players that have had injury issues, and Patrick brought up a good point with a lockout, which affected him, no doubt, back in, what was it, 2013, 2014, that Steven Stamkos has been robbed of at least a couple of seasons. And where would his numbers be had he been able to stay relatively healthy? Again, injury is part of the game. You deal with it. You move on. But I do think it's a fun question to debate when you make a list of greatest players who were robbed because of some injuries throughout their career. And as I said before, I, I fully expect Steven Stamkos when his career is over, and hopefully it's another 10 years, that he will be you know, part of that group of the best players of all time being enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I think the numbers are going to dictate that, and hopefully he's got a Stanley Cup to boot as well. But I, I think it's a fun topic in some ways to debate and it also speaks to how good Stamkos has been throughout his career. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. Big game tomorrow night, obviously, Tampa Bay and Boston. Boston, again, gaining a bit more separation right now in the Atlantic Division. And that's kind of what they've done all year. I told you at the beginning, I think you can make the argument that this is the team to beat in the East. I think Boston deserves that because of what they did last year in the playoffs. Basically, one game away from winning the Stanley Cup. They've got 94 points through 66 games, Tampa Bay 87 through 65. And right now it's shaping up to be Tampa Bay and Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. But it's fun to go against Boston. I think these games are important for Tampa Bay to experience as we get closer to the playoffs beginning. And I think even with Steven Stamkos out, I would expect Tampa Bay 
to be ready to go tomorrow. It's a big game for a lot of reasons, but more importantly, I think it's a meaningful game. And I think both teams probably can appreciate that and build off of that moving forward. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up our show tonight. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it. We'll be live from Amelie Arena tomorrow, 6 to 7. Don't forget, it's a 7.30 game. Make sure you keep it tuned to Lightning Power Play throughout. Eric Erlinson will have his show noon to 1. And then, of course, we have our three keys of the game aired throughout on Lightning Power Play as well. Myself and Eric do that for you. And then I'll have the last call after the game in addition to the broadcast. And you can listen to it all right here on Lightning Power Play.